Hello, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of Spyglass, a closer look at political Hong Kong. I'm your host, Jasmine Lee, Managing Editor-in-Chief of Harbor Times, a publication focused on policy and diplomacy in Hong Kong. Now, the series has been a long time coming. I am very excited to just jump right into it. Today's episode features Cyril Ma, a reporter at Harbor Times, who has interviewed the Irish Consul General to Hong Kong and Macau, Mr. David Costello, on what him and his office have done to handle the pandemic situation both in Hong Kong, but also at home in Ireland. Our first episode is a special addition to the concluding article of our Diplomacy in the Time of COVID-19 series, which you can find the interview highlights from this episode at harbortimes.com. We'll also be providing a direct link in the podcast description below. As a part of this series, we have also interviewed consul generals of other countries such as Finland, Canada, Australia, and France. Mr. Costello's background includes working in the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, serving in the Department of Environment, Heritage, and Local Government from 1994 to 2008, and then also briefly in the Government Department responsible for advancing the use of Irish language. He was also the Deputy Head of Mission at the Embassies of Ireland and Bucharest from 2010 to 2014, as well as Mexico City from 2014 to 2018. Now, he's Ireland's point man for COVID and everything else connected to Hong Kong and Macau. And although he may be a diplomat, Mr. Costello is quite the historian when it comes to Irish and Hong Kong history. But more on that later. In his interview with Harbour Times, Mr. Costello explains to Cyril that while Ireland went into lockdown in mid-March, the Consulate General in Hong Kong never closed down. Uh, yeah, I suppose the first thing I can say is the, the off- we never we never closed the office at all. Um, um, what's happened is uh, Dublin went into lockdown yeah, yeah. in the middle of March, and mm-hmm. so services in Dublin had to close uh, mm-hmm. because of the need to. So, for example, our passport office was closed. Um, the other problem we had was that we had a lot of uh, the Irish diaspora is huge. But we've got about uh, what we say about a 70 million diaspora around the world, but we have a, a young travelling population. So we had thousands of people, for example, stranded in um, places like Australia, New Zealand, right, right, right. South America. Uh-huh. And so well, we had a huge repatriation uh, project underway from from Dublin's perspective. So a lot of effort went into supporting that consular outreach, and so as we closed, uh, kind of services like like. Uh-huh. Passport offices and stuff like that. We put a lot of effort uh, domestically into uh, into the repatriation of citizens and arranging repatriation uh-huh. flights and stuff like that. Was uh, there a lot of um, repatriation from Hong Kong to back to Ireland? Not a huge amount. I mean, the uh-huh. Hong Kong government were very supportive and very helpful, and uh-huh. they were very agreeable to it. But um, what had happened was uh, Do- Doha became the point because Qatar continued to operate commercial services via Doha, and so unfortunately there were no commercial operations available uh, via Hong Kong, and so so most of the stuff was done via Doha largely. Right, there right. were some there were some special repatriation flights organised via Hong Kong. Uh, we tend to collaborate with the British and European colleagues on, mm-hmm. uh, on these things, and so there were some flights came this direction, all right. And uh, you know, absolutely commend the Hong Kong government for their support in arranging that. You know, um, in many ways, there are two or three gateways to, 
to to um, to this part of the world. Hong Kong is definitely one of them. So um, so uh, so I think the government were cognizant of that and very helpful to us. Um, on this side, I mean, I think the government, the Hong Kong government, did a fantastic job in managing the coronavirus, uh-huh. kind of containing it. I think their experience with SARS was phenomenal in the way that they managed to do it. Um, the kind of shutdown that Ireland has experienced and the rest of Europe has experienced in the last three months has never uh-huh. happened here, you know. So we've never closed the office at uh-huh. all. Uh, public counters remained open all the way through. We did obviously take measures to be uh, to match with the needs uh, of, of of the situation and respect government guidance. Uh-huh. For example, we switched to an appointments only service. We have this walk-in facility between 10 and 12, and we've suspended that until further notice. Right. And so people can only get served if they come uh, on an appointment basis. We right. uh, have ramped up our cleaning, uh, our kind of ambient cleaning kind of uh, facilities here. So, so any time a customer comes to the counter, we will operate a disinfectant policy just to make sure the next customer then comes into a clean environment. You know, but that said, none that the entire our entire customer service um, uh, facilities were were available to the community, uh, mm-hmm. both the Hong Kong and the Irish communities. Demand. Obviously, change depend, depending on, on the services that you need. For example, uh, we have a we where Ireland has the first study visa uh, with Hong Kong. Ireland was the first country to agree a, a study visa regime with Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And of course, now that Ireland had closed down for the last three months and it's going through its phase reopening at the moment. Uh, the demand for those type of facilities uh, has diminished, you know, so in line with the trends around international travel has, uh, has ceased, mm-hmm. you know, so. So, so, so we're seeing kind of changes in the in the demands for services. Right, right. But that said and done, the the, the offices remained open. Uh, ironically, actually, our trade data is coming through for the first couple of months of this year, and it's actually year on year up on this time last year, which is quite surprising. Yeah, maybe it's because the vast majority of the trade is in Ireland's favour. It's Irish exports into Hong Kong are uh-huh. significantly higher than Hong Kong exports to Ireland. Uh-huh. Uh, and Ireland wasn't really impacted until the latter half of March, um, but certainly the figures see. Yeah. So when Hong Kong was shutting down in in January, um, it uh, didn't really impact uh, on the trade bilateral trade relations, and so so we're seeing a year-on-year increase. And Hong Kong, as a trading jurisdiction, for example, is our third biggest export market in the whole of Asia. So it's China by country mile, followed by Japan, and then Hong Kong. You uh-huh. know, so as our third biggest export destination. So and that's uh, that's consolidated this year, as opposed to um, uh, being uh, impacted by, net, by. Now we'll see what the second quarter data looks like. We're still not sure how that will go, but uh, but certainly first quarter data was very very encouraging. You know, the one concern, or well, not a concern, the one sadness about the uh, is that we were due to the direct flight that can't they have between Dublin and Hong Kong was uh, the summer uh, schedule was due to start uh, in July mm-hmm. uh, or probably due to start in April and delayed to July but, but with no international travel we don't mm-hmm. have that direct connectivity so for many Irish travelling to Ireland Heathrow was the natural kind of yeah. stop for them although somehow mm-hmm. use Doha, uh, Doha, Dubai are other options as well mm-hmm. so uh, uh, as well as Amsterdam and other places so, uh, and many people don't realize that Dublin, London is the busiest air traffic route in, in Europe. And then one of the top 
20 in the world in fact mm-hmm. actually um, and so the volume of traffic on that so so anything that compromises that kind of interconnectivity between yeah. Ireland and the UK uh, you know it just doesn't make sense uh, yeah. so we're very very much I think uh, announcements that are being made by the UK and Ireland you know we have regular dialogue on the yeah. common travel area and right. issues around that so there's you know so yeah. um, so so there's no, no major problems there. Even though Mr. Costello says that members of the Irish community in Hong Kong are very capable, he ensures that they know his office can be easily reached if needed. Yeah, I kind of tend to do a, a kind of a, a regular email to the community. So maybe every yeah. four, five, six weeks, we've sent messages out uh, to the community, uh, just kind of touching base with them, letting yeah. them know we're here if they need our help. Um, kind of updating them on developments locally mm-hmm. as well as at home in Ireland. Um, uh, but I mean, we have a very smart and very savvy kind of Irish community here. It's our biggest diaspora in Asia. We reckon about 5,000 Irish citizens here in Hong mm-hmm. Kong and there are families, you know. Um, so the Irish have been coming for hundreds of years and um, and they're, you know, when they're here, they feel at home they're, and they embed themselves in the community very, very well. Uh, they're very, they're largely, you know, professional people working, many of them are working in financial services, uh, we've got lots of teachers, they're well resourced and self-sufficient and they, you know, so so they, they, they can be very self, uh, self-sufficient in that regard. So we tend to, our outreach has just letting people know we're here in case there's support needed, mm-hmm. and if they've any concerns, they kind of lift the phone and ask the question. And, and they sort of... They they make appointments and if they need anything because of yeah, their they yeah they just come in or listen I'm quite accessible and I kind of get regular WhatsApps and messages via my LinkedIn profile so you know so I mean the whole kind of ethos of Irish kind of diplomacy is about accessibility it's not we, right we, we we don't we don't we don't do stuffiness if that makes sense you know um and not to, not to in any way kind of uh, <laughs> uh, imply that others do you know we don't want to be implying an insult on the part of other colleagues but from the Irish kind of DNA is around accessibility and yeah, and, and, yeah. and, uh, and so we've, we've done that kind of quite well I think. On terms of home working we did institute um, a um, alternate team working arrangements and so to yeah. build a little bit of robustness into the services that we offered we all did alternate alternate working from at yeah. home and in the office so we divided our small team of six into two groups of three and uh, we had people in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, and yeah. then the other group was in Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, so we were day on, day off. And um, so from our own perspective, it was um, difficult because um, I had three of my colleagues I couldn't, I didn't see for two months uh, because uh, you know, there was no point in having these separate arrangements in the office if we didn't respect it in our private space as well. You know, so when we sat down at the beginning of March, as the as as we saw a spike in the import cases, we said, okay, let's let's make a judgment call here. And so people agreed voluntarily that they would, um, whatever team they were on, that they would only see those people outside of the workspace, uh, just to ensure that the integrity of uh, of of protecting each other was intact. And so a super team. Uh, uh, here they're really ca- um, caring and cognizant and mindful mm-hmm. of each other, you know, while, you know, it caused them a lot of personal 
anxiety may be a bit stronger word, but you know, so while it was a kind of a personal cost to them not not seeing their pals, their friends, office, yeah. um, they they knew that it was in the best interest of everybody by protecting uh-huh. them in case in case somebody caught caught the virus, you know. Uh, but you know, but we were grateful for the way the Hong Kong government kind of acted quickly and kind of um, contained it very very extraordinarily well. You know, uh-huh. the government deserves lots and lots of plaudits for the way they the way they've behaved. You know, when you see uh-huh. the way it has kind of um, we see the way the virus is spread around the world. Uh, the success yeah. of Hong Kong has to be a standout uh, mm-hmm. in, in the way it's been handled. Uh, so in the home office, then, um, ironically, actually, <laughs> I think the experience has been is that we probably communicated a lot more because, uh, you know, it was, you know, you take for granted when you're working side by side with each other, you kind of, uh, you get a lot of just kind of, Kind of grabbing conversations and corridors type of thing, you know. The, you know, two or three of you standing around the kettle making a cup of tea. There's a chance to kind of grab a few minutes, but, you know, in the absence of that and not seeing my deputy, for example, for two full months, we institutionalised a daily WhatsApp call, and we have our own internal um, uh, video conference facility. Yeah. Uh, so we would use that sometimes, but more often or not, we would use the uh, WhatsApp or yeah. Zoom or one of the other available technologies there, depending on the sensitivity of what we had to talk about. But uh, by and large, um, you know, we institutionalised uh, a dialogue that previously was kind of informal. So it was kind of good from that perspective in terms of just touching base with people on a regular basis, you know. So um, have you have you needed to have a lot more communication back with with Dublin because of the, yeah. the pandemic? Yeah, a huge amount. I mean, obviously yeah. Dublin were looking to the uh, yeah. to Asia in terms of solutions mm-hmm. um, and watching for problems coming down the line. Uh, we would be uh, what you would call ahead of the curve in terms of the spread of pandemic of the, mm-hmm. of the coronavirus. And so lessons learned were all being fed back into Dublin, uh, so that uh, sensible decisions are being made. You know, they're being adapted to the Irish context. And for example. Um, uh, we would feed in, we would have a consular, uh, we'd have an Asian or maybe a North Asian consular group meeting on, an, on a weekly basis. Um, we'd have different types of uh, kind of VCs with colleagues in Dublin. But also, you know, for example, I've also built some bilateral connections and we would have a region in Dublin uh, called the Temple Bar region. And we've arranged kind of uh, conference calls for them with the Irish kind of pub scene in Hong Kong with, and uh, sharing lessons on opening up here. Uh, because all the pubs in Ireland are closed, right? They're all closed. All, all closed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all closed. And mm. uh, so we're on phase two of a five-phase program for reopening yeah. Ireland. Phase four, we'll see restaurants opening, and phase five, we'll see pubs. So that's okay. until August at the moment, you know, mm-hmm. that's the current plan. And so there's a lot of work being done in Ireland around how do you make uh, how do you make pubs and restaurants safe for mm-hmm. people to come back to? Mm-hmm. How do you build confidence so that you can kind of pick the business up pretty quickly? Yeah. Uh, and what is it they need? to do so the kind of face mask, face mask culture here in Hong Kong the yeah. hand sanitizer the, yeah. the temperature checkings all of the kind of measures the social distancing between tables all of the experiences yeah. that are happening here are very yeah. very relevant for the trade back in Dublin so, yeah. so we've been facilitating that kind of conversation kind of business to business rather than feed it through government because um, so if you filter this through government you know businesses you know while while, while our government is, is excellent and so, what they're doing, but uh, but businesses like to talk to businesses, and yeah. so we've been helping them with that. You know. So just to understand that correctly, then, so you're um, the consul general in Hong Kong is sort of directly contacting Temple Bar, 
and the sort of pub scene around sort of central Dublin instead of going through, or partly not just going through, um, the Home Office in Dublin? Yeah, well, our Ministry for Foreign Affairs in Dublin would be dealing with the consular level issues, you know, mm. and our yeah. health service executive will develop policy around opening up, and we're right. not in any way interfering with that. Mm. But uh, but the businesses, you know, on the ground are looking for tangible kind of experiences, right. you know, this, right. this is the first time Ireland has had to deal with this. Of course, yeah, yeah. We, we never had a SARS, for example, so mm. we've had no experience of what this mm. is like. And, um, and so as a result, you know, um, there is a, just like there's a Lang Kwai Fong kind of group, there's yeah. a Temple Bar group. And so we've yeah. been helping that kind of level of low, low level engagements, learn a little bit of lessons and prepare themselves, psychologically prepare themselves as much as mm-hmm. anything, because they will get instructions from the, from our health service executive on, mm-hmm. on, on what the conditions are for opening up. Mm-hmm. But there are other questions around, uh, right, yeah. around how do you run a business in this type of environment that only business people can answer, you know, so. Mm-hmm. So um, so we've been helping that kind of dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. so, so that's, uh, that's been great to kind of build that kind of Hong Kong-Ireland connectivity. And now, a word from our sponsor. If you haven't heard of it yet, Anchor is life-changing. Anchor is your one-stop shop to record, edit, and distribute your podcast. Looking into the distribution, I thought that there would be a lot more involved. And Anchor does all that hard work for you. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listeners. It's that easy. All you have to do to get started is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. So now that Hong Kong is by and large controlled, mm. I know we've just got you know, the possible third wave from Chinwan, but it, it seems like it's, you know, by and large, Hong Kong is very safe now and mm. basically everything's opened back up. Um, so have you stopped the, um, the alternate working arrangements? Have you reinstated sort of uh, yeah. a drop-in visits and stuff, or is it still, for safety reasons, you're still doing all the precautions? Uh, well, we still appointments only at the counter. Yeah. We've stopped the working from home arrangement by and large, so we're yeah, back yeah. to seeing each other, and that's been mm-hmm. like that for the last four weeks or so. Uh, really, once the uh, once Hong Kong got down to zero new cases, uh, the moment at which we said, okay, uh, the con- it's it's under control now. Do we need to continue working from home? And uh, by and large, uh, we kind of consultation amongst ourselves. We we, we sat down and collectively decided it was. Uh, it was as well for us all to be back together in the office, which is great. Um, uh, but, you know, that said and done, you know, we've been operating a pretty smooth service irrespective of the fact that we've had taken these measures, you know. So we, we don't, it's not a case that we have to open up services because we never shut anything down in the first instance. Um, now we are, I mean, we do have a kind of very active public diplomacy program where we would, for example, every, the first Friday of every month, we would open up the consulate here for a business breakfast type where people, any member of the community or the extended community or friends of Ireland you don't have to be an Irish citizen you're very they're all very oh. welcome to come in on the first Friday of the month in fact Sarah you'd be very welcome to come in as well and what we do is we provide cross on some coffee and yeah. you know we might have anywhere between 20 and 80 people would come in into the boardroom we would mingle we would 
share some information about uh, what's happening in the Irish community and events that are coming up in the coming months and what's mm-hmm. happened in the recent past. Uh, and uh, But it's a great chance for people to connect with people they would, wouldn't ordinarily see. So we haven't been able to do that because uh, of the rule of eight. So where any events that involve more than eight people, we're not running because mm-hmm. we want to be fully respectful of the government's mm-hmm. uh, guidelines on events. Mm-hmm. At the time of this interview, Hong Kong limited public gatherings to no more than eight people per group, which has since been relaxed to groups of no more than 50. This enabled the consulate to bring First Friday Business Breakfast back to the Consulate General of Ireland. We kind of recognize that... um that the restaurant sector, for example, have more than eight people in their premises at a given time and they can still kind of obey the rules of the government. So we're now, next Tuesday, we're partnering with with Delaney's Irish Pub. Oh, what used to be the Candyman, right? Yeah, the old Candyman, exactly. So we partnered with Delaney's and, you know, we're very conscious Irish businesses like Delaney's have struggled uh, over the last... Yeah, 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 they they really have. ...nine months, really, go back to last June, in fact, you know, is the epicenter of the protest. Yeah, 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 yeah. As well. So we're kind of conscious that uh, they've struggled a bit, and so rather than do events in the boardroom, which we can't do till the rules have ch- are changed, uh, for the next couple of weeks we're mm-hmm. going to do a business breakfast in Delaney's where we've sent out an invitation to the wider community. Uh, I've mm-hmm. posted it on my LinkedIn page, for example, today, and uh, it's on the consulate's um, uh, Twitter feed as well. Um, so we've uh, we've opened up, and so next Tuesday is Bloomsday. It's the where we celebrate the great novel Ulysses in Ireland. Um, Bloomsday was set on the 16th of June 1904 when Leopold Bloom did his famous walk through Dublin. And it's, you know, Bloomsday, Bloom, uh, Ulysses is one of the the iconic books of English literature. And, uh, and so uh, every year we celebrate James Joyce. And, and so we have a Bloomsday celebration. And so we're kickstarting uh, our, uh, our kind of opening up of public diplomacy next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with an event in uh, in Delaney's Irish Pub at eight o'clock in the morning, so it'll be an Irish breakfast. It'll be free of charge. Because oh. the, the conference will pay for it, and mm. and, um, and uh, so we have it on our Eventbrite system. So you have to register in advance. We don't take walk-ins on the day because mm. um, of the social distance rules. So people just follow my either my LinkedIn, my Twitter, our Twitter feed, or Ireland Ireland in HK is the link for the Twitter feed, mm-hmm. uh, and the same for um, uh, not just David. Oslo's my, my LinkedIn page. So you'll find the event there. And so um, so we've put those tickets out to the public and anybody mm. who wants to come along is welcome. And it's a great way to mm. network with with people. You know, there's a bit mm. of uh, what I'm calling uh, webinar fatigue uh, <laughs> happening. <laughs> there's only so much you can do on, on webinars. Did you find that more of your nationals are registering with your office with regards to coronavirus protest national security? Do you have sort of a, a mandatory... Um, registration for Irish people in Hong Kong, or is it? Uh, no, we don't have mandatory registration. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no requirement for that at all. In fact, and we don't have an ID card system in Ireland either. People mm-hmm. have a right yep. to privacy, so there's no ID card system. So, uh, and GDPR rules also mean people um, uh, applying for passports and stuff like that. We can't appropriate mm-hmm. the data for other purposes, you know. So, uh, but we have. I mean, the consulate is relatively new. It's only five years old. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we've taken a very active public diplomacy uh, strategy uh, from the beginning mm-hmm. where we got out and about and tried to meet uh, a lot of the Irish community. Um, so we have a mailing list of all oh, close on, I know we said about 5,000 people are in the diaspora. That would include families and children and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. we have a mailing list of maybe 4,000 people. Um, but, you know, what we do have um, a good penetration, I think, amongst the community in terms of our engagement. Uh, and so I think for many of them, they probably feel like they don't need to register. We have a citizens mm-hmm. register process. It's citizensregister.ie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's only a couple of hundred people registering on it. You know, that's our official channel to communicate. But the fact that we have a very, mm-hmm. very good kind of database of contacts uh, that we use for newsletters mm-hmm. and other things like that means that most people um, are not mm-hmm. using the citizens register. One is they're self-sufficient and two is they feel that we're accessible enough and because of the way Hong Kong government has handled the whole situation here, people's sense of the threat to people is not as prevalent as it might have been in mm-hmm. other countries. Um, and a question that's sort of related, um, have you found a lot of um, non-Irish people have been sort of has there been a spike in uh, maybe citizenship applications or interest um, over the past year as a result of you know the political instability, the coronavirus, and you know, upcoming um, national security legislation, and you know, amongst other issues. Um, there is there is an active interest in Ireland. I think as a destination, mm-hmm. there is nowhere on the scale of nowhere remotely near the scale of the numbers that were migrating in the 1980s. But there have been a what we mm. call a steady trickle of inquiries that have been coming yeah. through. You know, we do have an immigrant investor um, scheme, and there's been a bit of an uh, interest in that. We mm. have a very good, like I say, our first uh, the first um, uh, working working holiday visa mm. license. Visa was working holiday visas, what it's formally called. First, Hong Kong's first working holiday visa was with Ireland, and so that's a quite an active and uh, we get a significant level of interest mm-hmm. in that. So, um, so that's kind of died off a little bit as international travel has stopped, you know. Um, but um, but we are pleased, uh, and I think from a tourism perspective as well. I mean, so I did a webinar now uh, two weeks ago with the tourism and trade here in Hong Kong, hosted by Tourism Ireland, and there was a good level of interest in it, and people looking mm-hmm. at Ireland and I think you know there's a hunger amongst Hong Kongers to start traveling again and I think what they what, we're getting a sense of that the kind of the wide open kind of green spaces that Ireland has and the wild Atlantic way the cliffs of moor you know the um, the uh, Giants Causeway uh, the Game of Thrones kind of mm-hmm. all these things mm-hmm. uh, low density kind of activities I think uh, Hong Kongers are kind of at the moment seem to be quite attracted to that kind of holiday. So I think as soon as we can kind of reestablish international connectivity um, and people feel comfortable to start taking holidays again, I think we should see Ireland kind of benefiting um, from an uptake in that. And I think mm-hmm. people will take a lot of comfort. Like, I mean, uh, there's been a significant number of people who've died and tragically lost their life due mm-hmm. to coronavirus. And, um, um, but I think people will take comfort from the fact that Ireland kind of diligently applied international protocols. Our testing regime has been very, very strong uh, and there's a confidence, I think, an international confidence that the, the figures that Ireland are reporting are, are accurate of reflection of the situation, you know, whereas, um, you know, so, so so I think that will stand to Ireland in the context of people travelling. They will see that we take public health very, very seriously mm-hmm. and we've handled it very well. And just like Hong Kong, we've been mm-hmm. absolutely transparent in the way that we've done our business uh, 
around coronavirus and I think the kind of green spaces of Ireland and the Wild Atlantic Way, these, these are things that will be of um, real interest, I think, in when, when international yeah. kind of travel starts to pick up again. To guarantee a safe experience for the public, the consulate has installed the Novaris Air Filter, which is part of WellAir, an Irish company, to bring virus-free air to the office. I just add in one other thing. I was had a conversation with an Irish company there this week as well, and they are producing an air filter that kills coronavirus. And so we're going to install it in our office next mm-hmm. week uh, for our customer just to ensure the highest standards of customer service uh, safety. But this this recycles the air. Uh, it kind of filters the air every on every 30 minutes or so. Any kind of viruses in the air, including coronavirus, is, uh, it kills through the machine. So uh, and so they're mm-hmm. cycling the air through and kind of making sure so it's, i think it's a process called sterilizing the air now as, as opposed to kind of uh, there's other technologies there that are not as environmentally friendly mm-hmm. and uh, and i think it'll be a great it offers a great solution for um for companies that are concerned about bringing their workforce back you know if you mm-hmm. have the technology here it's anything any any kind of viruses in the air it's 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 sterilizing it at least twice an hour as I said earlier, when it comes to Irish history in Hong Kong, Mr. Costello is incredibly knowledgeable. He's working in collaboration with a historian to write and publish a book all about Ireland in Hong Kong, which goes back centuries. Fun fact, did you know that Staunton Street comes from an Irish name? I mean, the Irish have been coming to Hong Kong. I mean, Staunton Street, for example, is named after an Irishman. Mm-hmm. He was in Hong Kong. In oh, of course, of course, yeah. He was here in the 1830s. Mm-hmm. So we've had Irish people in Hong Kong since the 1830s. We know that for definite, and mm-hmm. probably earlier. Uh, well, yeah. You know. mm-hmm. So, um, so Staunton, partly George Staunton, landed in Aberdeen and took a walk through uh, from Aberdeen up through Wong Chuk Kang into Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. That used to be known as Staunton's Creek in the old days, and named after him. So, <laughs> so oh, that's very interesting. Actually. Yeah, Staunton Street here in Mid-Levels is uh, named yeah. after George Staunton, who, um, you know, and he actually came, first came as an 11-year-old to uh, uh-huh. Canton in the 1790s, and he was part of the an expedition uh, led by another Irishman, George McCarthy, who went to meet the uh, Emperor of China at the time, uh-huh. trying to negotiate concessions around uh, trade in, 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 in the Guangzhou region. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, so, so that's begun a kind of a love affair between Irish and um, and uh, with Hong Kong, um, uh, which dates back that far. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Harbor Times on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free versions of each episode. Be sure to also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for regular updates on the show. All the links to our Patreon and social media will be provided in the podcast description. We would also appreciate it if you left us a rating and a review. Thank you for listening in, and I hope to have you back next month for another edition of Spyglass, a closer look at political Hong Kong.